my, how tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. Hey, hey, Nailer fans. Welcome into another episode of The Toolbox. This is episode number Crazy 8. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, and coming up on this week's show, first, we'll take an in-depth look at the Nailer's protected list that came out on Monday. We'll tell you which player from the 2017-18 team will be playing in Europe during the upcoming season, and another player, and where are they now, who looks to become the first player to reach the NHL from his hometown. We'll also look at the fifth Game 7 in ECHL Finals history, which comes up on Saturday, and a special interview with a former Nailer who also played under head coach Mark Dennehy in college. That's Chris Barton, who was in Wheeling from 2011 to 2013. First up on the toolbox is news, and we have a few things to cover on the news segment today. First off, as you saw on Monday, the 2018 protected lists are out, and the Nailers protected 20 players. Now, I'm not going to go in depth and give the whole list of 20 players. You can go on wheelingnailers.com, and that'll be right there for you. But I want to give you kind of an idea of the protected list as we talked about last week, and then some of the questions that I've seen pop up on social media from the fans since it came out on Monday. What the protected list does is it gives the Nailers the exclusive right to negotiate with the players on it during the month of June. That's up until June 30th when they have to name eight players who they haven't signed to a contract yet, or they can name up to eight players that they haven't yet signed to a contract, and they can give them qualifying offers, which maintains those rights all the way up until next year when the protected list comes out again in June. So you may have looked at that and been like, hey, there's some names I didn't see on there. Okay, so you didn't see the likes of Cody Wido, Riley Bourbonnet, Reed Gardner, and Troy Josephs, just to name a few. Don't worry. Those guys are AHL contracted players, so the responsibility on that lands with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Those players cannot go on the protected list, so it's not like they were omitted intentionally. That's why they were not on the protected list. Then there were a couple of others that I saw questions about. Players who have announced their retirement, such as Brett Stern, who retired before the season last year. Stern received one of those qualifying offers going into last summer so the Nailers still were able to have him on their protected list this year and then same goes for Jeremy Barnes who is going to be doing some coaching during the 2018-19 season thus he will not be a Wheeling Nailer but there's no limit on the protected list and how many you can have on there so it's one of those scenarios where you basically protect all that you can going into the month of June and you kind of see what players are going to take which directions within or outside of the sport as they proceed forward. Now, one of the players on the protected list we have some news about and he is going to be taking his hockey skills over the pond next year and playing in Europe. And this is one of the players who certainly was a big uh, impact player on the blue line the last two seasons with the Nailers, his first two seasons as a pro. And that's defenseman Kevin Schultz, who will be playing for, we'll do our best as we can on this 
city name, Vasterviks IK of Hockey Allsvenskan in Sweden. And Kevin becomes the third player who was in the ECHL this past season to go to that league in Sweden, joining Gabriel Desjardins of the Fort Wayne Comets and Nolan Zajac of the Reading Royals. And there's also a Wheeling connection in that league in the past, as that was where Nick Sorkin played during the 2015-16 season. He was a different team, but that was the team that Nick played for before he spent the last two years here in Wheeling. So we want to wish Kevin all the best. Certainly had two very nice seasons here, especially his rookie year when he was named to the ECHL All-Rookie Team. And I think he's going to have some great success over there. That European style, a lot of emphasis on skating. And we saw here in Wheeling that skating is definitely one of the strengths of Kevin's game. And without speaking for head coach Mark Dennehy, I think now with Kevin not coming back to Wheeling, or, or maybe he will. That's one of those things you never know, where if he gets over there a few months in, doesn't like it, and Wheeling still has his rights, he can come right back over and play for the Nailers. But uh, certainly the void that Kevin leaves is is a puck-moving defenseman, so that will most likely be one of the items on Wheeling's wish list as we go through into the summer months. We are right about a week away from June 16th, which is the first day that teams can sign players in the ECHL. We mentioned that the qualifying offer date is June 30th, and there are two other events that will take place right smack dab in the middle of those two dates. First off is the NHL Draft, which takes place in Dallas this year on June 22nd and 23rd. And really cool opportunity, Mark Dennehy will actually be going to the NHL Draft this year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's a real cool thing for him to be able to do. And then a few days right after that will be the start of development camp for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We always make a trip up there for a day or two and get a chance to see some of the players who have played here in Wheeling before as they continue to make their way up the ladder and up the organizational system for the Penguins and maybe give you that first glimpse of some people who you may see making their way into Wheeling going into the 2018-19 season. Other items of news looking around the ECA and some other leagues, coaching moves tend to be, before we get into the real meat of player signings during the summer, of course, you have to get all your coaches set up, and there have certainly been a load of changes throughout the different levels, and good to see two former ECHL head coaches get named AHL head coaches this week. First was Kale McLean of the Stockton Heat. That's a Calgary affiliate. Kale was a head coach first with the South Carolina Stingrays and most recently with the Adirondack Thunder. He was with Adirondack their first two years, 15-16 and 16-17, before moving up to be an assistant with Stockton and thus Brad Tapper taking over with the Thunder this past season. And then congratulations also goes out to Ben Simon, who was the assistant coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. He gets promoted to the head coach of Grand Rapids. Ben was head coach with the Cincinnati Cyclones in 2013-14. We preach this all the time, how great it is to see people, whether it's players, coaches, whoever, in organizations in the ECHL moving up the levels. And so good for Kale, good for Ben, continuing that trend. ECHL head coaches becoming AHL head coaches joining a group that includes currently Clark Donatelli and Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Derek Lalonde of the Iowa Wild. We have had five 
coaching changes in the NHL. One of those is the New York Islanders, who just had that become a vacant position this week. Eight in the American Hockey League, including three that are still open, one of those being the Colorado Eagles. And we'll see what happens with Colorado after the Kelly Cup Final, and they officially make their jump from the ECHL to the American Hockey League. And then there are five in the ECHL, one of them being filled, which was Mark Dennehy here in Wheeling. But you still have Newfoundland, the new team, the Growlers, who still have a coaching vacancy. And new this week, uh, Rich Seeley of the Manchester Monarchs gets promoted in the L.A. Kings organization. So Manchester's hood coaching job is open. You wonder uh, how Jeff Giuliano, who's been by Rich's side as his assistant coach since the Monarchs came into the ECHL, if he'll be in the running for that. And also Chuck Weber, just one year as the head coach of the Atlanta Gladiators. He is going to be an assistant coach at RPI. So Manchester and Atlanta are now coaching vacancies in the ECHL, joining the Newfoundland Growlers. Elsewhere in the ECHL, for the fifth time in league history, the final series goes to a Game 7. It is 3-3 between the Florida Everblades and the Colorado Eagles. I think the craziest game of them all was Game 4, and that was one in which Florida led 6-2, but Colorado came back, scored a total of five power play goals in the game, forced overtime at 6-6, but Florida ultimately prevailed 7-6. The Everblades shut out the Eagles 5-0 in Game 5 before Colorado won Game 6 4 to two on home ice to force that one back to southwest Florida for game seven which comes up on Saturday night this is going to be fun to see there's really no decided advantage both teams are two and one on home ice in this series and historically the previous four it's two two home teams and away teams the last one was 2015 when Allen won game seven at home against South Carolina convincingly six to one before that the Stingrays won the previous one in 2009 when they beat Alaska four to two the Stingrays actually had a chance to close that one out at home in game five but Alaska won game five in overtime sending it all the way back up to Anchorage and Alaska won six before the Stingrays ultimately got them in game seven the first ever championship series in the ECHL, Riley Cup Final 1989. That was a seven-game set in which the Carolina Thunderbirds won 7-4 in Johnstown. But the one that I think will be the toughest to top, possibly the best game in ECHL history, 1999, Mississippi beating Richmond 4-3 in double overtime. Imagine that, double overtime to decide game seven of a championship. Incredible. Good luck, Florida. Good luck, Colorado. We'll see which one of you comes out at the top of the mountain here in 2018. The Calder Cup Final still in the early stages of it, but three straight one-goal games have the Toronto Marlies with a 2-1 to series lead. In the NHL, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions as they pick up their first championship in their 44-year history. Long wait, and it finally ended on Thursday night at T-Mobile Arena when Washington scored two goals in the third period to come back on the Vegas Golden Knights and win it 4-3. The Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP went to Alex Ovechkin, a 15-goal performance during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and this is a good thing. And I know the Pittsburgh fans, you kind of paint Ovechkin as that villain, and of course that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's good to have those rivalries, but from the perspective of the league, having its two faces of the league, its two true superstars, Crosby and Pittsburgh, Ovechkin and Washington, 
both being able to hoist the Stanley Cup. That's a good thing, and congratulations to the Capitals and their fan base. And we have a Caps fan right here in our office in Chris Hudgens, so I'm sure he'll be enjoying his summer with Washington as a Stanley Cup champion. Fun fact out of this year's championship for Washington, and this is a real neat connection. First player ever to do it, Jay Beagle wins all three professional hockey championships. He won a Kelly Cup with the Idaho Steelheads, a Calder Cup with the Hershey Bears, and now a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. First player ever to do it, and we'll see who the next one will be that gets to capture all three championships. Now, one of the stats that I found very interesting that I saw this week regarding the NHL and the Stanley Cup Final, and obviously it rang true again this season, this was the 19th year in a row in which the Stanley Cup Final did not feature a sweep, and that is just awesome. I don't think anybody you talk to would ever say that they enjoy a sweep. Obviously, you want to have Game 7s, and we haven't had a whole lot of them this year in pro hockey. We only have had two now in the ECHL, one in the conference, final, one in the Kelly Cup final, and we had one each in the first three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it's been since 1998 that the NHL has had a sweep in the Stanley Cup final. Oddly enough, that was Washington who got swept in four games by the Detroit Red Wings, and interesting how fates kind of turn where that was the fourth consecutive sweep in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Devils swept in 95, the Avalanche swept in 96, and then the Red Wings with back-to-back sweeps in 97 and 98. The last sweep here in the ECHL was just last year when Colorado beat South Carolina, and that was the first ECHL final sweep since 2002 when Greenville beat Dayton. Only four final sweeps in the 30 years of the ECHL, so they actually have more Game 7s in the finals than they have sweeps, 5-4. to four. Last Calder Cup final sweep was Lake Erie over Hershey in 2016. Other sports, because we like to broaden the spectrum a little bit, last time the NBA Finals was a sweep was 2007 when San Antonio beat Cleveland, although we could be headed for Sweep City again this season if Golden State pulls the trick in Game 4. That's one of two since 1998, by the way, just to kind of give you a time frame there. And then the last World Series sweep was 2012 when San Francisco beat Detroit. That's one of six since that Detroit-Washington Stanley Cup final sweep. So baseball tends to be the sport that has the more sweeps in their championship series. Before we move on to our interview with Chris Barton, it's time for Where Are They Now? And this is a player who was in Wheeling just two years ago in 2016-17, but it's a really cool fact for him. It's Gage Quinney, who this week signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Vegas Golden Knights, and... This is very significant. He is one of three Nailers from Las Vegas who have played with the team, the other two being Chris Francis and Ross McMullen. But Gage, and how cool is this, and so fitting with his hometown Vegas Golden Knights, he is a Las Vegas native, and he will try to become the first player from Las Vegas ever to reach the National Hockey League, and it could all come full circle with him starting his career as a pro with the Nailers in 16-17. So congratulations to Gage Quinney. Keep on climbing that ladder, and we hope to see that NHL debut for Vegas in 18-19. 
This week's guest on the Toolbox has a couple of fun connections for us. He's a former Wheeling Nailer player from 2011 to 2013, and he also had a chance before he came to Wheeling to play for our new head coach, Mark Dennehy, at Merrimack College. It is Chris Barton. Chris, it's so great to get a chance to talk to you. Tell the fans in Wheeling what you've been up to since you hung up the skates for the final time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, DJ. Uh, it's been a long time since we've chatted and gone down memory lane, but uh, as for myself, I'm now back living at home here in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, I've been working in the oil and gas industry for the last uh, about four and a half years, so life's changed a little bit. Um, the nice part is, being in Canada, I still get to play a ton of hockey, but not for, uh, it's only for fun now, so it's, it's, it's been great. If I read correctly, you got your degree in management. So did you kind of sense that this might be a path that you would take or what got you interested in oil and gas? Well, to be honest, I didn't know what I would do. But uh, the nice part about going to a Div 1 hockey school down in the U.S. is that you have that degree to fall back on. So it was something that was very valuable. Uh, not at the time, I didn't know it. But today, uh, very, very happy I went down to Merrimack College there. You're only 30 years old, which is quite astonishing, really. And it's already your fifth season that you haven't been playing pro hockey. You said you still play it from time to time, but how long did it first take you to get adjusted to being in the real world and not being in that day-to-day -day habit, especially in the winter, of playing hockey as you did all through life, up through college and into the pros? Yeah, I mean, the biggest adjustment, I think, is uh, everyone will attest to is the the amount of time you're in the office is a little different than when you're at the rink or, or that kind of thing. Um, I don't miss the travel one bit. Um, as much as I love the, the boys and the uh, being on that bus, um, I don't miss those overnight uh, road trips at all. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been good to be home, and, and I'm happy for it. You hinted at the boys, and I know talking with Scott Darling after his memorable run to the Stanley Cup final with Chicago, he said he ran into you in Calgary a couple of times. Are there players that you played with here in Wheeling over the course of those two years that you still keep in contact with today and still share some of those fun memories with? Yeah, I mean, Scott Darling would be definitely one of them. Um, whenever he makes the trip on either with Carolina or Chicago there, we always go for dinner and, and catch up on old times and um, I still keep in touch with, uh, like, Adam Ross, um, who I played with and was roommates with there at uh, Merrimack College. Um, and, and there's quite a few others, but uh, you don't get to see them like we used to, that's for sure. What are some of your favorite memories of being a nailer, whether it be things that happened on the ice or things that happened in getting a chance to unite with your teammates? Yeah, you know what? It was uh, a pretty cool experience. Um playing for the Pittsburgh organization. Um, obviously a lot different than playing college. Um, it was kind of your full-time job, so you didn't have to worry about school or anything else. That was You play a lot more games, and, and, you, and you live with everybody. and It's a different lifestyle, but uh, I didn't get to make it to where I, my end-up goal was to be in the NHL, but I'm glad I went and, and at least gave it a shot, and I enjoyed every minute of it in Wheeling. A couple of questions ago, you mentioned a former teammate in Adam Ross, and you and Adam were teammates at Merrimack College, which brings everything kind of full circle today, as the Nailers' new head coach is Mark Dennehy, who coached both of you guys at Merrimack. So for the fans who are getting a chance to learn Mark firsthand here this summer, what did you experience under Mark as a player, and what did you enjoy about having him as a coach? Yeah, Mark uh, actually 
did an exceptional job at Merrimack. He, um, being a smaller school in Hockey East, you have the BUs, the BCs of the world. Um, and what he chose to do is is take a trip out to Alberta. And, and uh, by the end of my four-year career there at Merrimack, half the team was either from Alberta or Canadian. So it made us uh, very competitive against some of those guys that, you know, the Johnny Gaudreaux and whatnot that want to play at home at BC at the, at those big places. So uh, Mark turned that program around um, from we were dead last my first year to making it to the garden in the finals on my fourth year and, and entering the, the tournament. Um, it, it was pretty amazing what he, what he changed and what he did for that program. Are you able to take us kind of behind the scenes and what kind of culture he built and how he kind of made the locker room believe in what he was trying to preach? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what he had to do. He knew that when he got hired at Merrimack that he had to figure out a way to go from the basement, if you will, to it, it wasn't even so much hockey. He changed the way the culture was at school. Um, we ended up having almost a brand new rink by the end of it. Um, we were selling out every game. It wasn't so much the, what, what he wanted you to buy into was the fact of the community, the small knit community. And that's kind of what essentially wheeling is going to be as well. So, um, his transition there is going to be a new one. Obviously hasn't played, uh, hasn't coached the professional ranks yet, but I have no doubt that uh, he's going to be very successful. When we look into the history books at Merrimack Hockey, it was your senior year that has the star next to it. Most wins in school history, the only trip to the NCAA National Tournament, uh, the only trip to the Hockey East Championship game. How special was that year for you, and how does it feel to be kind of that class that really made it all happen for that school? Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, I actually took a trip back to Boston this, year, uh, this past summer. And uh, I couldn't believe when I'm driving in there what the changes were. And, and uh, I got to go visit the rink. I didn't get to see Mark, unfortunately, but uh, I saw some of the old faces. And I toured around our rink there, and, and uh, you got murals of our class up on the walls. And, and it kind of felt like all the hard work from freshman year to senior year, we, we kind of built that. And that was, that was our class, and that's something that will never be able to take away from us, and, and that's why I keep in touch with all those guys every day. We've seen a lot of players make the jump from the college game to the pros. Now we're seeing it even more and more with coaches. Is two guys this summer have gotten NHL jobs, David Quinn out of BU, Jim Montgomery out of Denver. You played for a coach here who made the jump from the college game to the pro game in Clark Donatelli, who's now in the AHL with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. What did you notice being in Clark's first group of guys from year one to year two, seeing him evolve when he was first getting adjusted to that pro game and then really learning it and making those adjustments to get better and better. Yeah, you know what? I think the, the biggest thing is that uh, you're not just a part of Wheeling. You're, you're a part of Pittsburgh and the whole organization there. So you've got, you know, um, like John Hines and, and Bill Guerin, those guys that, that Clark was able to kind of feed off of at the start. Um and uh, and basically learn kind of the ropes his first year, and going into the second year, he was able to take that and, and kind of run with it. So I'm pretty proud of him to be where he's at today as well. How much fun did you have playing for Clark in the two years that you had him behind the bench? He was excellent. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's one of those guys that uh, says it how it is, and you work hard for him, and he'll do the same for you. So I'm. Uh, it's good to see what he's what he's doing today. 
It's always fun to look back and also to get some insight. Chris Barton, a former Wheeling Nailer, again from 2011 to 2013, and also a, a former pupil under Mark Dennehy at Merrimack College. Chris, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me today. It's great to catch up with you, and hopefully we can get you back here in Wheeling and celebrate the good times and uh, go down memory lane one more time. I appreciate it, DJ, and uh, hopefully I can make it back there soon. Big thanks again to Chris Barton for spending a few minutes with us today. Barton and Ayler from 2011 to 2013 played 116 games in a Wheeling uniform, 52 goals, 51 assists, and 103 points. That included 29 goals as a rookie in 2011-12, a number that was matched a couple of seasons later in 2014-15 by Derek Army in his first season as a pro. Great to hear that Chris is enjoying what he's doing he's moved on from hockey into the real world and still being able to catch up with former Nailers such as Scott Darling who is now a member of the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you get a chance to watch Game 7 of the Kelly Cup Final on Saturday night, I strongly suggest you do so. We'll recap all of that and have very much more on next week's edition of the Toolbox. I'm DJ Vassell saying thanks for listening and happy hockey watching.